Yeah, I don't care about the music. All right, so the question on the table is, did Jason Pridmore post enough for me? That's a question. All right, so the answer is no. He okay. didn't post enough for me. Sorry. But uh huh. the post you had about your your hotel room was on the front straightaway oh. of the racetrack. Are you kidding me? Wait till you hear that story. I got we look. It's a slow week this week, right? So yeah. I'll give you guys. I'll give you. I'll give you a couple stories about the weekend as we get started. Uh, yeah, British GP was great. Um, yeah, we'll get. I know that's what we're going to cover today. What's and we don't have anything next week. Uh, no. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. As I look at the calendar and see what's up. Uh, Thruxton BSB and Pro Motocross is back in action next weekend. So next we week. don't, we don't, yeah, next week. So we don't have a huge, we do preview pit race. We'll do that. But in terms of yeah, be over home. the weekend, yeah. we don't have uh, much racing that we normally, you know, would do a deep dive into. Yeah. So bike911.com. If you need some help, reach out to Alex Asante, some legal help. Uh, if he fixes traffic tickets, I'm not going to talk about that. All right. <laughs> is that right so yeah so jp you're sitting there in the in the uk currently you sound I am. right yeah and you were at the moto gp weekend and all that stuff so we're going to get to that in a second but why don't we yeah. get through some stuff because as you know we have a sponsor of this podcast like bike911.com that's awry and that's our news presented by awry <laughs> and then i have this read because this is the new thing helmets Made by the dedicated hands of those who work at Arai, have shown examples of supreme protection for decades. The numerous improvements by their experienced hands and personal desire to further the protection of riders' heads are among the many unique reasons Arai helmets perform the way they do. From our very first helmet to those we make today, rider protection remains our first priority. And we at Arai shall never forget the value of what we have been seeking to protect is priceless. Ba-bam. All right, because I really want to get into this stuff, like the MotoGP yeah. stuff. Just, just, just real quick. Um, Kaylee Yakov, I guess, was over in Europe. Did the uh, Blue Crew R7 Cup, and she swept. So, congratulations to her. Also, Jason Suzuka eight hour mm. Honda goes one two three four. Team HRC with Japan Post ends up winning the thing. Uh, 216 laps and then TOHO racing and then SDG Honda, and then FCC TSR, which is the France team, which is the normal world endurance team. Defending world champs right now. Yeah. 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 Um, then, then the auto race Suzuki team in fifth, then another Honda team, then the BMW world endurance team in seventh, then another Honda team. Mm-hmm. in ninth the suzuki team and then another honda team in 10th and 11th i mean where is this bike in you know in super everywhere else in, yeah in stock thousand everything what uh you know jay I, I just didn't see some some teams the normal teams that i see it only looks like a couple of the regular world endurance teams go to the suzuki eight hour but it's part of the fim endurance world championship can you enlighten us a little bit as to i think you've haven't you been on some teams that go to Suzuka eight hour and some teams that don't? Yeah. Why would you been, not? If you Mark, were involved all in the, the teams that I've been on have always gone. So I've never skipped it. Uh, when I've raced seasons at world endurance, I mean, is there a race that has gone from, is there a bigger race that's fall from grace than the, than the Suzuka eight hour? 
I mean, you know, even when you think about like a MotoGP round being done the same exact day as the Suzuka eight hour back in the day, MotoGP raiders and world Superbike guys and everybody was going to the Suzuka eight hour. It was a big, big deal. Guys just get paid a lot of money. Um, like MotoGP guys, world Superbike guys. I mean, we saw that Kawasaki didn't go this year, obviously with Johnny and, and Sam, um, or Al, Alex, Jesus, I said Sam. <laughs> um, Sam's not in World Superbike till next year. That's right. I'm getting them all. Bugging you got up too, you got too many on the brain, right? So you, it was easy. Why I didn't Sam at Sam the Silverstone? Well, so. You stay at Alex's house. I mean, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, the thing is, is that Johnny and Al didn't go this year, and so Kawasaki. That's a that's a pretty big pullout right there, as far as like getting the factory. That was such a big effort for them to go to as well. I mean, all the pre Suzuka testing that that Al was going and doing. If you remember, like Leon Haslam was with him as well doing it. Um, so, I mean, look, there's, there's virtually when you say nobody, it's disrespectful, but virtually nobody over there. There's no real world super bike stars. There's no MotoGP guys. And the 33 Honda was, you know, destined to win that race. And they did mm-hmm. our boy, yeah. our boy, Stevie, uh, Steve English, I was with him Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week. I flew out Tuesday from Minneapolis, landed Wednesday, and he had to fly to London on um, Saturday because he he did all the you know the TV work out of a studio in London, and it started at two o'clock in the morning here. So the poor guy's just completely like smoked as far as sleep goes. He's he's with me here right now too, and he's hasn't had any rest or any sleep because after the race, he had to fly back to Ireland and then he flew back to here this morning. So yeah, he's been on it pretty hard. Insane. Uh, but the eight hour used to be, a, I mean, it is. I mean, is you know, the so 200 good, maybe Greg. Jay, you know, the 200, but there weren't as many people at who would come to race the 200 as there were people that would go and race the Suzuka eight hour. I'm telling you what did it was anti was, uh, was when, when world anti-doping agency got involved and people stopped, they stopped allowing people to have IVs. That's when it yeah. all went downhill. It's a tough race, man. <laughs> it's no, a tough it's race. A, it's a tough, Hot. tough race. And I think back in the day, if you go back and you look at some of the names that have won it, it was such a big deal. Such a huge deal. Yeah. So I, I think, mean, and, and I it think, just goes the opposite think, direction because World Endurance is getting, like the popularity seems to be at its peak, but it's it just is. this one everybody's race talking that was about so legendary. Yeah. yeah. No, everybody yeah. talks about World Endurance now. And because you can actually go make a, well, when you say a living, you can go get paid pretty good to ride any one of the main bikes. There's only four rounds in a championship right now, which is kind of a bummer. So they do two in France, one in Japan, and one in Belgium. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. So it, when I was doing it, there was seven and eight rounds at times, which was great. Hmm. But yeah, it's a shame to see where it's gone. Well. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around. You know, uh, did we talk? We talked about something came out as soon as we got done with the podcast. Something came out, and I think oh, yeah? it was that Rins is going to Yamaha. Yamaha. Yeah. I think I think that hit like literally a couple hours after I posted. We haven't really talked about it, but you know, I think Morbidelli said, "Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to race the R1." Um. And it looks like these Johnny Ray rumors are getting pretty, pretty stout right now mm. of him going to World Superbike Yamaha, right? Yeah. As yeah. as we you know, we had talked about on that front, 
who do you get at Yamaha to replace Top Rack? Right. And I, you know, I don't think Johnny was on the radar. I thought he was buried in a in a long term deal. But what do you think about Johnny replacing Top Rack at Yamaha as the top dog? I, I mean, what do I think? Um, well, I don't know what to think uh, because I, I haven't talked to Johnny. So I, you know, or it's it's he's getting. I'm sure he's discussing a lot of things behind the scenes. And I mean, the Yamaha right now is, is, is it a better bike than the Kawasaki? I mean, it's so hard to tell because, you know, Johnny rides up front, but you could, even at most, you could tell he couldn't stay with, with those guys. Um, it's a hard one, man. I, I don't, I can't say that, that I would know one way or the other. I think that Kawasaki has to get a lot better and without knowing all the ins and outs of what they're allowing next year, that's got to be something that Johnny's probably basing his decision off of. Mm-hmm. How much yeah, more so. can we get out of our bike to make it good? The thing that's made it apparent to me that something there has got to be going on is because Scott Redding still isn't gone anywhere yet. You know, Scott Redding has a clause in his contract apparently where he has the like right to stay where he's at, but I don't know if he wants to stay where he's at. And the word on the street was that he was going to be go. He was going to go to Bonobo and Baz was going to be out. And that announcement was supposed to happen. I think at Donington Mm. and didn't happen. Still hasn't happened. So it kind of makes you wonder, well, is he waiting for, is he waiting for Johnny to go to Yamaha so he can get the Kawasaki seat? You know? Yeah. That would have to be the discussion. I think. That would have to be the discussion. All right. Well, that's about it. News presented by Arise. So let's talk about what happened. MotoGP, Silverstone. Yeah. Um, what's your experience been like before we get into results and stuff like that? What's Tell me about, you know, the golfing and, and your ride at <laughs> Silverstone. And... Yeah. I'm like, I bore people with the golfing part of it. I, you know, I come over here to play with these guys. Um, and this year, uh, it happened around the same time as this race at, at Silverstone. And, you know, I made a post this morning um, about being here because this was the very first place my dad ever won a race. Was it That was a cool post, I have to say, yeah. And so for me, I always wanted to come see Silverstone just for that reason. Um, just to say that, you know, I've been to the place where my dad won his first race. Obviously, it's it probably looks a lot different now. What a facility, Greg. This it, Silverstone is enormous. It's a massive, massive facility. And they moved, they have the national, the national straightaway, which is where we've been used to seeing the GP for years. You know, they come through that fast right-hander across the line where Rins beat Marquez a couple years ago. And it's like they moved the paddock back to, I guess, what would have been the older one, but it's all, it's all done up now. It's, it's amazing place. So Simon has an in with a, a, a great lady over here. Your friend, who, Simon. Simon, Simon Barrett. Yeah. So he's got an in over here. Um, as far as the VIP area, like VIP village. And it's it's so great to be in the VIP village. And, uh, you know, it's, it's looks out over the straightaway here. It's, it's so ironic, but I'm sitting there the first day we get there Saturday, it's raining, of course, pouring miserable day. Thought they were actually going to call the day off at one point. And there's a lady next to me and I just kind of say hi to them. 
Turns out it's Jeff May's sister. Really? How's that? Is that yeah. just wild? So she's random she, is all hell. She got married, moved over here 16 years ago. And so it was great. So we, you know, talked to her for a while. And I think when I was watching, I got to go out onto actually to the wall for Q2 and was standing next to Alicia Spargo's um, crew guy that was doing the pit board. He was awesome. He was great. Um, but he even said that they were really happy with the dry setup and that the wet setup is still a bit of a work in progress. They were much better than they were early in the year in Argentina. If you remember, the, the Prilias went straight backwards in the wet mm-hmm. and Alicia actually fell off in the wet. So they were they were ahead there. Uh, but yeah, they were making, they were making moves going forward. So, um, I, dude, how good did he ride? I mean, he rode amazing yesterday, start 12th on the grid and kind of come through people the way he did. Um, you knew he was going to take a shot. What was really weird about the race watching it, uh, and I'll get into some of the other stuff with our, our trip in a minute, but for me watching the race was he was so good in the first sector. Then there was like three or four corners where Bagnaia was better. And then Aleish was a little bit better, you know, going into the S's, you know, like maggots and all those, uh, the left rights that he ended up passing coming out of the old turn one. It was, it was a great race. And the, there Do you was know why maggots there. and Beckett's are where and they say it all the time. What does it even mean? What is it? No, I don't know. I don't know why they, they do that a lot over here though. They, you know, they, they name a lot of their, their corners over here. Like, you know, we number them and they name them. Yeah. So it's um it's just a different way of but it's like that at a lot of the racetracks here. Nah, yeah, I know, I know so. for sure. So where was your hotel room? Which which it was start so, finish line? Yeah, I guess going back real quick, Saturday we noticed that there was a Hilton Garden Inn. Literally, as you're looking out the VIP village, there's a Hilton Garden Inn on the front straightaway. And one of the girls um that was working there, she had said that they were trying to get they were trying to get 6,000 pound for three nights at this place. Oof. So they were in F1. They were in F1 world, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And, and Simon being Simon, he pulls it up <laughs> on his phone and goes, I think there's rooms available. We were, we were supposed to stay about 30 minutes away in a place called Milton Keynes. And Simon it's what's crazy is the VIP village. There's a bridge across the racetrack and we just happened to be uh, essentially on the same floor. So he went and said, Hey, I'll be right back. Next thing you know, he comes back. He goes, we got a room. I'm like, what? So we actually had our room on the fourth floor that overlooked the front straightaway, overlooked all the pit garages. And what was good was the TV in our room was huge. So we could watch him go down the front straightaway past us. And then we'd go back, sit on the bed, and watch the rest of the lap until they came back. <laughs> yeah, it's it a again. long lap. It's a long lap. And what actually woke me up in the morning at seven o'clock Sunday morning was they had turned on the um, they turned music on through the sound system over across you know at the track. So that kind of woke me up. And then the MotoGP bikes were warming up at like eight eight fifteen in the morning because they had a nine forty five practice. So about an hour hour and a half before they do their first warm up on the motors, and it was a pretty cool way to wake up. I have to say they had an <laughs> unbelievable restaurant in the place. They had a Starbucks in the hotel, like everything you, Oh, you, thank God they had a Starbucks. No, but I'm saying everything was there. Like you didn't no, have to I know, leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, By the way, once, six, th- 6,000 pounds, Jay, $7,662. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently they get that for MotoGP or for formula one, but yeah, I would think for formula but one, they, yeah. they, 
Simon asked the guy and he said, no, it was a thousand for two nights. So for Friday and Saturday night, it was like, you know, it was, it was a thousand dollars and or a thousand pounds. So we paid 500 for ours, but it was like Mm. literally on the front straightaway. So um, neither one of us wanted to drive. Neither one of us wanted to go anywhere. I'm like, dude, so perfect. Let's do it. That's what you're there for, right? You don't even have to travel to get there. And, and Greg, the thing is, is that they handed they all of the hotel is secured, so you can't get into the place. You can't even get in it unless you have a a, a reservation. They put a bracelet on you that allows you to go back and forth across the bridge to the circuit, right? Hmm. So um, you could literally stay at the hotel and never have to go to the track. Yeah, like you could you. literally just stay there for three days and be watch every session. Yeah, and be they, have a ro- they have a they have a smell rooftop. it, hear it, feel it. Oh, you're right there. You're literally yeah. you might as well be there. And they have a they have a rooftop um, bar up top where you it overlooks. You can see the whole track. They got music going on up there and big TVs everywhere. So it's yeah, it's a pretty amazing place. But it's funny because I kept watching all the sessions, thinking. All right, are we going to see Jason waving a flag, a checkered flag, at the end of a session sometime? <laughs> no, no, that was yeah. no, no, nobody cared. Did you give away I, any trophies? Did anybody know you were there? No, but I, I ran into so many great people. I, I got to talk to John McGinnis for about twenty minutes, which was, hmm. I just love that guy. Um, he's, he's just a good dude. I just, um, I got to see him for quite a bit. I got to see quite a few people that I didn't, I wasn't expecting to see. Got a good talk with Joe Roberts while I was over here, which was really nice. Um, God, he had a good it, race. It, yeah, he had a great race. And Sam's last kind of Moto2 race was cool. So there was a lot of friends and family here for him. And then, um, you know, I just... I mean, Sam's finishing out the year. You mean, like, for him in the UK? He's finishing out the year for, for him. This is his last kind of Grand Prix at, with Moto2 in England because now yeah, he's going England, to World yeah. Superbike, you know? So he'll be at Donington yeah. now. And where I'm sitting right now, I'm at, I'm at Alex's house. I'm staying here tonight before we take off down south tomorrow. But, like, Donington Park is literally 10 minutes from where Al lives. Hmm. And Sam. Sam's not far from here either. So it's a home well, race. Let's, let's get to sure. some of the results. Um, they yeah. had uh, the sprint race on Saturday, and it was wet. And Alex Marquez won his first MotoGP race. Yeah. Zeki was second. And, Jay, you mentioned it, how, you know, they're, the Aprilia's wet you know, stuff has gone pretty far. Vinales ends up on the box, then Zarco, then then Alicia Spargaro. Martin ends up sixth. Miller, Fernandez, Binder in ninth. Oliveira in tenth. He would have a better day the next day. Uh, anything you know? T- any big takeaways from the rain? I mean, the track looks relatively flat, but it also looked like there wasn't too much you know water pooling in areas. I mean, it looks like a pretty good surface. Dude, so, the grip is amazing. I mean, when you watch and you, when you actually watch the races, uh, when you, when I was watching that day, we were driving in and I had it on my phone. I was watching like Moto three or something and I couldn't believe how much grip the track looked like it had. And you didn't hear anybody complaining about that. The problem was Greg, there were still a few places that water puddled, puddled up a bit. So Mm. there were some hydroplane type crashes that were pretty nasty. Like where the rear of the bike just spinning out from underneath you. But by the time, like we were there and it was, it was really nasty for a while. And then noonish, one o'clock, you could definitely see that it was getting better. It was starting to get better. Uh, again, being down on the pit wall for that Q2 session, talking to uh, Alicia's guy there, he was also concerned that maybe it was going to get like, we, we, we were kind of wondering if the sprint race was even going to happen. 
And then by the time it got going, um, the track conditions had improved a lot. But I thought it was great seeing Alex Marquez do what he did and 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 win a and win a race and just know now, you know, know that you can do it. You you always tell yourself as a rider, yeah, I can do it, I can do it. And then when you go do it, it's it's a big relief, I'm sure. Yeah, it has to be. Now the margin so, of victory wasn't big because Bedzeki was pushing at the end. Kept him honest, so, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly did. And yeah. so Bedzeki was looking good. Then the next day, Jay, we go to the big race, the the featured race, and it was dry. And I mean, the thing about Silverstone to me, it's kind of like a um, like a Brainerd. You know, it just it just promotes a lot of. There's just a lot of passing opportunities, right? Yeah. And so the race starts out dry, but I, it was declared a wet race, I believe. Yeah. In the beginning, so the, or they go flag to flag anyway, so it doesn't yeah. kind of really matter. And um, the race gets going, and Pecco gets out to the front, and people are just starting to move around behind him, and then it starts to sprinkle. But by the time it sprinkles, you have Alicia Spargaro, Binder, Miguel Oliveira, Vinales all chasing Bagnaya. So it was a really tight race with about five people real close to the front, and they would kind of drop back and go forward and so on and so forth. And then it starts to sprinkle with what Jay five six laps oh to gosh. go but yeah but they're long laps i mean they're, they're, they're long you know. laps and dude Pecco didn't he didn't waver he kept setting the pace no one really attacked him until the last couple corners and then alash ends up passing him and uh and wins the race for for aprilia and bagnaya finishes second bender third ahead of miguel Oliveira. i was happy for for bender kind of brokenhearted for miguel Oliveira because i know the crypto data rnf team needs a little bit of love and a little bit of exposure but nonetheless he still was like number one independent rider so he got to go to the podium vinales faded thanks you're my fantasy guy i don't know why but he ends up fifth martin now was was i can't remember jay was it that race where martin got punted on the first lap and did yeah that was the one right marini miller who led the race early in eighth uh zarco in ninth fernandez in tenth uh raul fernandez sorry augusto fernandez in 11th so augusto fernandez continues jay you know to 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 move up the board a little bit and get some more points as he qualified fifth greg i mean the guy was he rode so well like he rode really well yeah polis bargaro in his return ends up in fourth dg antonio uh sorry four points 12th yeah uh dg antonio 13th morbidelli 14th and quadraro 15th uh Wait, wasn't that the race where Quadro? Qu- yeah, he jumped on the backup bike. That's what he, ended he did. Up he jumped on the backup bike and Nakagama, Lacuona, and all those guys. Bastianini ended up tossing it. Marquez, both of them ended up out. Uh, Mark tossed it, and Alex ended up having a shifter problem. My boy Juan Mir, who I have in fantasy by default, also, but Bedzeki had the big one. Oh my god, dude, that thing yeah. went so fast on him. All right, tell us a little bit about you know the race as you're watching it and. You're experiencing the elements as they're happening, all yeah. that stuff. Well, it was funny because you kind of had the feeling where we were sitting that as soon as as soon as Bagnaya got to the front, that that Miller was kind of holding everybody up a little, um, like he just didn't quite have the dry pace um, on the KTM. So guys were trying to make their way by pretty quick, and Bedzeki did that, and then started chasing. It was a bummer to see Martin have what happened to him happen, but it was a racing incident. There was nothing like that Bender did there at all. Um, but Alesh was the man on the move. It was crazy because you could see him back there doing some things. And then you kind of saw the gap between the first two and you're thinking, well, Alesh isn't going to kind of bridge that gap. 
But what was crazy is if you watch the race, Bedzeki, the lap prior to the lap he crashed, he did the same thing the lap before. Like same got in, exact thing. He, he got in there so deep and it was like he almost did it the lap before and then he did it the very next lap. So Bezeki is showing that he's got the pace and he's got the he's got the, the you know uh bravery to, to win and beat Bagnaya, but the bulls those, he's got those, the bulls. He's got the balls, yeah. Mm. But he just kinda like that's just a big mistake, isn't it? But he's got a lot of races still. I mean, there's still a ton of races to go. Everybody talks about, yeah, it's going to be a hit in the championship, but we've shown Bagnaya make some mistakes in the past himself, and we hope that he's cleaned those up, but definitely, definitely helped him. But Elise just kind of sat there, but you said it. The guy in the move with about seven to go was Oliveira, and I'm like, I'm saying, I'm saying to Simon, I'm like, he's catching everybody. like, And it's not just by like a little bit. He's like two seconds a lap quicker. Um, the hard job out front is with the one that Bagnaya was doing. So to his credit, it's hard to lead those races. It's really hard to lead those races because you're kind of the first one testing the elements. But where we were, Greg, it reminded me a lot of Road America where it could be raining in one spot and not the other. Because yeah, it wasn't it's really... Funny. It's, yeah. it's funny you say that, Jay, because yep. Simon came in, Simon uh, Crafer came in with a pit report kind of reminding those guys like, hey, this place is so big that... A, you know, you could have two corners where it's raining and then the rest yeah. of the track is dry or whatever. And post race, someone said that, uh, you know, like in the, um, in the interview there, I think it was Bender. Bender actually said to him, man, that was tricky because there were like three or four corners that were wet. And then like this whole entire section was dry. So you had to kind of figure out how hard I can push, yep. you know, to, to, to yep. manage all that stuff. And they had reminded me very much of road America. And you're the one testing it, so you're you yeah. Know. And you're the you're the and you're the championship points leader, yeah. right? Or whatever you know what I mean. You're the you're the nat, you're the world champion, and you're going out there. And you know, I think if I I was impressed with Bagnaya, you've literally got the he, most to lose, don't you? At that point, especially when you know Bedzeki's out. Yeah, it's tough that he finished second. I get it, but he just I don't know. It's still For twenty me, points. Bagnaya impressed me. Yeah, yeah, Bagnaya. I mean, yeah, it was impressive. But Alesh to do what he did, wait to the last lap, very calculated. Now, the, the one thing I will say is that on on the post race, I know you don't watch those very often, but post race of the sprint race, Vinales had mentioned off the cuff how much work they put in in the winter break and how mm-hmm. it's all paying off. Yep, I'm not sure if that was a testing schedule kind of a thing or if you know. It didn't sound like Vinales was talking about like his fitness or anything. No. This the next race they go to, which the next race they go to will be Red Bull Ring in Austria. In a week, you know, like a week and a half, and that's got some undulation, so it's going to be a little different of a road course. But I think that's going to be the real test to see if Aprilia was able to make a big jump. I mean, obviously their starts uh, were, were, were solid. Yeah, they yeah, were solid enough, and that's been a huge problem with them. So, you know. It's what what's in, what's really crazy to me, Jay, is it seems like the last couple of years we have seen more big shifts in one or two races or whatever that 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 now solidifies this brand as like a front running brand. Uh huh. And then they go backwards for a little while. Like it's crazy. You know, we saw it with Suzuki. We've seen it with Aprilia. We've seen it with KTM. The only person to consistently run up front all the time is Ducati. I mean, right. you know, having having those motorcycles helps. Yep. So. I really thought that there was a chance that Honda was going to be able to make a step in the summer break and come back with a stronger bike. But uh, if it's the case, it certainly didn't show up at Silverstone. No. And it sounds like, you know, 
we'll get to a little bit of this in a minute, but Marquez just sounds like he's like, hey, I'm only going to ride it to this level now. I'm not going to keep crashing. And that's it. I'm just not going to like, blame it's, him. It's almost like he's like, yeah, until the bike gets better, there's no sense in me keep breaking my body up. And I, it, he's just at that stage. So yeah. Bender, once again, super impressive, Put gets himself in third guy, never stops fighting. Um, which, you know, when you watch him and you see how he kind of goes about his business, it's pretty cool. Oliveira fourth, amazing. Vinales, Martin did a good recovery job, Greg. I mean, he was essentially mm-hmm. dead last in this race and came through everybody. Uh, Miller finishing eighth. Uh, he was further back than that. He definitely lucked out a little bit on all those guys pitting for reins when they, they didn't need to because he had slipped all the way back to way far back. So, um, you know, when you look at MotoGP, I will tell you this, you're going to be very happy to know this. And I should have taken a photo for you, but I did go and get to hang out with Paulo in the Ducati garage, which was, you did. Pretty, okay. Yeah. All right. It was pretty cool. And I, you know, I did mention you, Greg, so I gave you a little love. <laughs> so yeah. Did Paolo yeah. finally give you how he really feels about me. He went who? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if I should tell you that on the podcast. You know, it's you know, it's more personal. No, he's great. He has a lot of respect for you. And um we talked a little bit about the great job, you know, that Josh Heron's doing over here. Um, he explained to me the issue that they had as well at Brainerd, kind of explained to me uh about a part that they have that um that 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 that's essentially what happened. Like to a Josh. part failure, just yeah, it's just yeah. something that they found. And so they were really bummed at that because he felt like Josh was really going to be there to the end of that race. And I agreed with him. Yeah. Um, totally. But, you know, we're sitting in the garage and, and uh, he, you know, he walks us right into the place, met us out the back, walks us right in. And, you know, we're sitting there next to Bagnaya's bike. And it's just incredible how big those bikes are when you stand mm-hmm. next to them. Yeah. How big they are. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's for me, Greg, you know, you know me, I, I don't ever want to be in the way. I don't ever want to like get in the way of what's going on. And the garage just started to get a little hustly because it was about an hour before the sprint race. And Paula just couldn't have been any cooler, you know? And um, the bikes, the way they sound when you're really, really up close to them, it's even different than when they sound when they're on the track. Like if you can get up close to a MotoGP bike like that, it's, it's uh it's a very intimidating sound. They're, they're, it's <laughs> it's kind of raises the hair up on your neck, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that MotoGP has a decibel limit, meaning yeah. they can't be quieter at a certain RPM or whatever in a certain gear. They can't be quieter than 40, mil- 40, million, 40 million decibels. <laughs> yeah, it's 115 dB. Yeah, yeah. And I actually didn't learn until last week that Moto America has the same requirement that you're that for the superbike class. Your bikes cannot be quieter than 112 or 115 dB. That's yeah, right. Check, double check the rule book. And they do that on purpose. I mean, you know, they do that so people in the stands can feel the, the feeling of the sound. I mean, you know, you yeah. feel it in your chest as they rumble by, even if you have, you know, uh, headphones on or earplugs in or whatever. And they do that for the visceral feeling to keep people coming back. And it, it works. I mean, even yeah, when they're great. revving them up, Jay, whom, whom, you know, well, and those things have automatic programs. A lot of them. The mechanics don't actually have to sit there anymore and actually blip the throttle. They have a program in the computer that'll warm it up for them very specifically on how they it's have to be cool. done and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool way to wake up in the morning when you're laying in yeah, bed. Yeah, I would think you can, so. You can hear MotoGP bikes just. Can like, you imagine if that was like 93? Oh, yeah. And then that, and that, that smell 
but those 500 sounded so cool too they're just different deal but yeah it was um yeah it was it was you know it was great so just curious i know we're we're still we still have moto 2 moto 3 and i want to talk about moto e a little bit uh because i watch all those races but how different did the experience feel compared to being at the moto gps the amount you've been at coda uh it's just a different feel like when you're like when you're here especially at a european track it's it's different it's the people love this stuff over here like you can tell and um the amount of vendors the amount of food places the amount of the and the area is so gigantic i mean it's every bit as big as coda like the actual area i'd love to know what the actual sizes of the lots that these two tracks are are on because silverstone is massive coda is massive i think that the track itself is uh, it's an incredible track we always see good racing we saw good racing in every class this weekend um so we know it's we know it's uh you know for that side of it it's great it's just a different feel over here, Greg. And and when it's teeming down with rain and you see all the people in the stands and you're going like, you're thinking to yourself, like, how's this, you know, it, it, it's so big, uh, such a big area. And the grandstands were just packed with people, even in just an absolute pouring rain. Hmm. So, yeah, it's just different. It's a different vibe in Europe. When you, if you haven't been to your European MotoGP event, I mean, you got to come, you got to come check it out. Yeah, you definitely have to come check it out. And now, of course, now the bug is got to come over here and ride it. It looks, <laughs> it just would be so good to ride this place. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. So Simon's like, he was already trying to book the hotel for next year. <laughs> so he's, I hear he's, you're riding Coda. That's what I heard. I am riding Coda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm going to ride Coda the weekend prior, which will be good because for the TV stuff, I haven't really got a chance to really do a lot of laps around there. So, Nah, I'll get some laps probably in, so. 30 laps and around there. Maybe as far 50. as rumors go, you know, like their big rumor on the weekend was, you know, Morbidelli's gone. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of seems like Bedzecki's going to go to Pramic. Morbidelli's going to slide into the VR46 team. And there's a, there's a big, you know, this will lead into this next, you know, discussion of Moto2 World because they're trying to get, it looks like Jake Dixon on the Grassini bike. Um, and and we can have a talk about that um, because it was an interesting Moto Two event. They they went after Moto GP. The one thing that's weird about a Moto GP events right now, Greg, is the schedule. Sunday morning, right? Moto GP goes out at like nine forty five, and they're the only thing on the track in the morning. They go out for like a fifteen minute warm up or twelve minute or ten minute or whatever it is, and they get off the bikes and then they go get in the back of a truck and they get driven around a racetrack. Right, which I guess something mm-hmm. that they do in F one. I don't mm-hmm. watch F one, so I don't know. F U, but Mo- but Moto two and Moto three get no warm up sessions, none. So basically, Moto two rode on Friday, and then they rode in the pouring rain on Saturday. Both Moto two and Moto three, and then that's it. They don't get to do a warm up Sunday morning, which I find really weird at the world level to not give people a chance to. To, you know, if you if you've had a slide off in Q one or Q two, or somebody's taking you out, or a motor blown, or something, you don't get a chance to go see if Sunday morning if everything's sort of straightened and 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 good to go for the race. And with this, the schedule was weird because they did 
MotoGP. Then at like 11 o'clock, uh, Moto3 goes on. And then normally, MotoGP starts at 2 o'clock everywhere. It started at 1 o'clock here. And then after that, they had... Uh, after that, they had Moto Two, third race of the weekend, which is kind of strange. Was that? Did that, I wonder if they changed it? I didn't look at the pre-schedule. I wonder if they changed it because rain was coming in. Maybe they no, 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 it. no. I don't know why it was but scheduled like that. It was scheduled like that from the of course. Start. There is a change too, by the Sorry. way, during the break, and we didn't really talk about it. I, I know you and I had actually spoken about it, but um, it, it, where the first session was actually a complete free practice, where it used to be part of qualifying. Correct. And so that was, you know, all the riders got their way. I don't really know what that means. But, you know, so instead of having the very first session count towards you making it into Q1 or Q2, mm-hmm. it was a completely free session. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just different. You know, Moto America, they want to run stuff all the time. They want to just pump out content on Live Plus, And they want to have the fans, you know, occupied all the time. And, you know, their, their strategy is working. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been to every race but one this year. We've had an increase in, in fan attendance, which has been good. And I think the only one that we went to where we didn't have an increase in fan attendance, it was more, more due to the fact that we changed the date from September, you know, to Barber, huh? May. Yeah. Barber, yeah. Barber wasn't good, but if they, if they hold on to that, you know, hold on to that date, I don't think we have anything on the horizon in Moto America wise in terms of schedule J uh, for next year. That's going to be much different. They're working mm-hmm. on some stuff to see. There's been a lot of chatter about this new track that's in Tennessee outside of Knoxville that's being built. They want Formula One there. They want GP there. They want us there. But that doesn't even look like anything's really going to happen on a professional level until at least 2025. Okay. But uh, that's that's pretty exciting coming down the pipe. That's great. But speaking, yeah, getting back to MotoGP, let's look at the Moto2 race because yeah. uh, Moto2 was... Um, it was a, it was a good race for a long time. Correct. I think it was it was really a good race. It was it was between uh, Aldeguer, Canet, and uh, and Acosta. All the while, there was this like second group behind of Joe Roberts, Gonzalez, Baltus. Uh, Sam Lowe started off trash, and he made some massive inroads. I think halfway through the race, maybe even before that, he goes. You know, he was like sixteenth and set fastest lap of the race at that moment in time. Yeah. And just started charging up through the field. I don't know if he got a bad start or something, but yeah, he got beat so, up a little bit at the start. He got ran into he did? a little okay. bit. And um So your yeah. boy, who you touted, I think, as the next Valentino Rossi or the world oh, championship yeah, like last yeah. year or two mm-hmm. years ago, Furman Aldeguer, he ends up winning the race. It's is his first, right? I think it's his first. It's his first, man. Kids eighteen. Eighteen and, on a speed up chassis. That's a big yeah. deal. He was getting wild cards, you know, he's on a Bosco chassis, isn't he? It's on a Bowser chassis, I believe. Yeah, which um, is speed up. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. How did I not know that, G-Dub? I don't know. We got Ford, Calyx, and Bosco Scura, so that's a speed-up chassis. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways. Um, Bosco Scura. I mean, speed-up maybe is the team. CAG speed-up. But anyway, yeah, he's yeah. on the Bosco Scura chassis. So he wins over Kinnett and Acosta. Yeah. And, and I think, it, I think the feeling out. was that everybody thought Acosta was just going to like – get to the front and run, and run away, right? That's what it looked like. Um, and, I mean, is it crazy that Kinnett hasn't won yet, but he's finished second a bunch? So it kind of looked like he was going to do it. And then all of a sudden, Furman Aldegard just starts coming from the back there, Greg, and just moving his way through guys. And when he got to the front, he wasn't even heralded. He just, like, he kind of just split, controlled the pace. 
And I mean, Kinnett um, put up a fight a couple times. There were like two or three times where he passed him, tried to keep him behind. And to to, to Furman's credit, he just he kind of waited until it was like the right place to do it, where Kinnett couldn't right. get by him again. And then the fight You're was right. over. And then he just the heartbreaker was Joe ahead. Roberts. He finishes fourth. Yeah. But they had when those three guys were dicing each other up. Yeah. He was closing, closing, closing. They really once was. they settled their battle and settled into their pace. Yeah. He couldn't he couldn't make up that like one and a half seconds and that ended up going to three. Yeah. But still you gotta look at Joe and go, Yeah, you know, this is this is his last season with Italtrans, possibly his last season in Moto Two. I don't know. You know, that's that's what the commentators were saying. Uh-huh. I know you weren't hearing the TV commentary, you know, commentating. No. But um yeah, I don't know. Did you get a chance to talk to Joe? You did, right? I did. Loved it. Yeah, it was great talking with him. Um, was he excited to see you? Like he's pumped, the yeah. Like, and it was great because he was in the he was in the garage right next door to Sam, so it was easy. I could just go mm-hmm. chill out with him and say hi to him and hang out. And he's such a good guy, man. And he felt really good. He was really happy about Friday. I saw him Sunday morning, and he was pumped because like you know we rode in the rain yesterday and everything felt pretty good. But he was really happy with his with his Friday pace in the dry. And that came true. Like he was excited about that. And he rode amazing, man. He was there the whole time. Um, it, but like you said, when those guys were starting at the front, kind of battling a little bit, I think everybody was like, Oh, you know, he's going to get back up there. Manny Gonzalez came from like fifth or sixth row to finish fifth. Uh, Baltus rode world great. Sam just, like you said, he just got beat up a little bit at the beginning. So he probably lost four or five seconds at the start of the race. And he was only 7.6 back at the end. Agura, Chantra, and Arbolino had an off day for him, ending up 10th. So a couple non-finishers, obviously Lopez, Garcia, big hit in the points for Lopez. The other one's Jake Dixon, who everybody's been talking about maybe trying to get that ride. Uh, but you in America, I don't know how many people saw it, but he did an interview with Neil Hodgson. And he did not come off looking good in that interview at all. Like, he came off looking pretty bad. Um, yeah, that was shocking, actually. You know, I know that he shit. and Cameron Bobier are pretty tight, and Cameron talks highly of him, but no, Jake a, came off as as how you Brits would say as being a winger or something major. Like, and you know, he's 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 putting on. A, he gets back to his garage and he's goes out to the front like he's going to run down to the Husqvarna team. Like, what are you going to do? Bender's still on the racetrack. Like, what what are you, you going to go get in the faces of some team manager or crew or like it's not their fault, you know? And and the incident to me was one hundred percent racing incident. There was nothing to for, for those that, he, that haven't seen it, Jake. Can you kind of describe it yeah. for us a little bit? Basically, Dixon crashed his way out of qualifying, so he had to start pretty far back. So that's mistake number one. And mistake number two is he's trying to go around the outside of Bender in the last corner on the first lap, and he bas- he gets in there and he talks about how Bender should be banned. One lap, uh, a long lap isn't good enough. I didn't even think it was worthy of a long lap penalty myself at all because he's taken the chance to ride around the outside of somebody who's in a pack of riders, you know, at the start of a race. And if you think that Bender's as bad as you claim him to be, maybe give him a little bit extra room in that one lap if you're worried about your championship and then get by him and get away. In a, In other words, there probably would have been a hundred other places that would have been better to pass something trying to go around the outside of him in the last corner on the first lap out. Right. Everybody's on new tires. So it's, it's, you know, the interview made him look, look pretty shitty, honestly. Mm -hmm. So all the way across the board. So anyways, um, and by the time, I wonder what time they interviewed him because I mean, he looked like he had time enough to cool off too. 
Yeah, and I see people are like, "Oh, you shouldn't put a camera in a writer's face." Oh, you should like that's all bullshit. You gotta. Some you gotta people con- said that. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing it a little bit, and it's like really are to- these the same people that watch reality TV when they when they when they yeah, sleep right. deprived people for thirty six hours, then they feed them drinks, then they have people whisper in their ear, "That guy over there hates you," and then somebody yeah. whispers in your ear, "Greg doesn't like you," and then they turn the cameras on and, and we fight. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But you shouldn't that, stick a camera in front of someone's face after they crash after they make a mistake. It's pretty pathetic, man. It's pretty pathetic. Like, and you know, at the end of the day, you can think about how many other people, how many other writers, how many other champions would, you know, would would have handled that in, in a better situation, especially for a guy that's, you know, he's got a country on his side right now, trying to get him a ride in MotoGP, which that's a whole nother political thing that that you know we don't need to get into, but it's like. It's pretty wild. Like, take the best riders. You know, the guy won a Grand Prix. Fair play. He's been there for four or five years. He's won once. Won the last one. Gets on there. He's like, well, now I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to go try to win as many as I can. It's like, well, aren't you trying to do that anyways, I guess? But anyhow, Moto3. I mean, there's a ton of races left. And he's... Yeah. There's a ton of races left. It's 156 points. He's got 104. Yeah. Right? So I get it. He's two races behind Acosta, but it's like, you, you know... Anything can happen. Anybody can get hurt, and Acosta's hurt. Yeah, you know he took his boot off. I, I thought he was going to get fined for that, knowing MotoGP or FIM or whatever. Yeah, but you know he, he takes his boot off because his he hurt himself. I think motoing right, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, but he leads over Tony Arbolino, who honestly we didn't really. Arbolino had an off day. Off day. Yeah. Yeah, Moto three. David Alonso beats Sasaki over Halgado. Halgado obviously still leading the championship. Good week, good day for him in that regard. Artola, Munoz, Salvador, Herrera, um, Ruda, and I don't even know how to say Colin's name from the Netherlands. Um, and then Fanati was tenth. It was a typical race, like you said, Greg. When it came to the first, um, well, the first seventeen guys were covered by one point nine seconds. Yeah, That's you're talking crazy. about Vire, about Vire. Um, Vire, maybe, yeah. Vire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, he was, he, Vire made a nice, re- really impressive charge to the field in that he race. Did. And I mean, I cannot tell you how, if you didn't watch Moto3 race, go go back and watch it. But yep. clear your bowels because so you don't poop yourself. And uh, like, you know, take a nice, you know, take a nice Pridmore before you, you know, watch this race because it's, it's, it's absolutely gnarly. The heartbreaker, though. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? The heartbreaker, though. (laughs) The heartbreaker has to be Scott Ogden, right? I mean, yeah. The guy's on the front row. He's at his home race. It's it's a British team. They get ready to get going. They interview him. He's pumped. He says all the right things. And this Vision Track Racing team is actually a a, like a, a feeder. It's supposed to feed British talent into MotoGP. They're doing it. It's everything, and then boom, the bike doesn't start, and they push him in pit lane, and yeah. and he ends up he he doesn't make any inroads necessarily. Ends up out of the points. And What's funny is he did. He made huge inroads, Greg. If you watched it, like because again, this was the benefit of our our room. We we literally watched the start, and then we'd run into the TV and go back out. He was so far back, and he once he got to the back of that group, he just couldn't do anything with him. That was mm-hmm. the thing. He just couldn't do anything with anybody. So. Um. Yeah. yeah so I mean, he yeah, he finishes seventeenth. You're right. He finishes seventeenth. But they the weird bit <laughs> is is they have him seventeenth at one point nine down, where Kelso finishes two point two down and he's in sixteenth. Yeah, I he don't got really a, know. He got a penalty. 
Oh, Scott did. Oh, yeah, he got bad. some sort of penalty, I think. So that's why yeah. that's why you see that, right? Yeah. So not. It was Ogden, just it was I same think, as it always yeah. is. Though it was gnarly last lap, all kinds of craziness, and it's 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 just absolutely psycho to watch. Yeah. By no, the way, the one race. thing the one thing we forgot to mention in Moto Two was the grid in Moto Two. Who was on the front row? Um, uh, Vanden Gerberg was. Yeah. Vanden Gerberg was on the, was on there, and they interviewed him before the race, and he was just like. You know what it reminded me of? It was it was Ty Howard at at Mid Ohio Super Sport Race. Do you remember that whole situation? Yep. I don't know what year it was. Yep, I kind of um, remember it. But yeah, it was like a rain qualifier, and some people ended up not going out and and qualifying, and so they ended up like he ended up on the front row, and I went and talked to him, and he was and he wasn't slow by any stretch of the imagination, right? You know. Ty Howard was was uh, probably what at that point, you know, like right on the verge of like a top fifteen, top ten guy. Yeah, but he knew he didn't belong in the front row, and he, and he was so nervous. And I forgot he was like, I don't know, man. I'm there. just hoping to hold but, my yeah. line, and everybody gets around yeah. me. Yeah, and Anyways. for Van de Gerberg, if you know, he starts on the front row, but I think by lap two he was seventeenth. Yeah, was he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, we kind of expected expected that. Entertaining racing over the weekend for sure in MotoGP. I mean, I thought I thought the weekend went well. The drama of the um, of the whole thing was 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 very interesting. But uh, Moto E was was in the rain. It's five laps. It's no warm up lap and all that kind of stuff. But really, Jay, look, it, it was an interesting weekend. I I wish you the best the rest of the week. Good luck with your golf. And yeah, uh, when are you coming back great. to the states? I come back Sunday. So tomorrow there's like a group of eight of us. Headed down south. Um, yeah. So we're going to go play three British Open courses. And then I fly home Sunday. So we'll do the podcast again next Monday or Tuesday. Awesome. All right. Then yeah. say goodbye to everybody yeah, yeah. from the beautiful and, UK. And sorry if I'm a little out of it. I'm, I just haven't slept. I have not slept since I got over here, it seems. Like that one good solid night. So I'm hoping tonight's the one. So, um, yeah, man. Um, everybody out there, thanks for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed the races on the weekend and we will be chatting with you next week for sure. We'll get pit race started for our motor America preview and, uh, we'll go from there. Everybody have a good week. See ya.